Today we're continuing our look in Galatians chapter 2, and this is Paul's most autobiographical section. And in this section, he's establishing the legitimacy of his ministry to the uncircumcised. And there's this fascinating verse I want you to think about in verse 7. It says, but on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted to the circumcised, For he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised, effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, so that we might go to the Gentiles as they to the circumcised. And what you have here is Paul laying out, in essence, two different missions. Peter was entrusted as the apostle to the circumcised, to the Jews, and then Paul was entrusted to the, with the mission to the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. And so what I want us to think about this morning is the idea of unity in the church, unity in the body of Christ, and how do we make sense of how they had to work out these two different communities, peoples, groups, that they were tasked to evangelize, to take the gospel to. What does Paul mean by these two different missions? Now, what I think he's arguing here is that neither condition is superior to the other, and it's not a part, an essential part of the good news of the gospel. And this would have been radical, especially to the, to the Jews, that their cultural status was not superior and did not place them in a special orientation to God's grace. It had been relativized, and now that relativization brought freedom, 
liberation from the constraints of their cultural condition? And this is a question that the church has to wrestle with again and again and again in so many different ways. So the fundamental question is, if a Greco-Roman person from the area of Galatia becomes a Christian, do they first have to be remade into the image of a first century Palestinian Jew? Or can they be Greco-Roman Christians? And this and this is a reality the church has had to deal with throughout its, its whole history. So when missionaries take the gospel from Eastern Europe into Africa and their converts, do they first have to become Eastern Europeans and adopt the ways of dress and the communication styles and the musical choices, or do they first become Africans? Does the gospel make them into remade Europeans or renewed Africans? And if you want a fabulous book about this, Check out Laman Sane's book, Whose Religion is Christianity Anyway?, where he forcefully and powerfully confronts the assumption that Christianity is somehow the, the Northern European white man's religion. And he shows, guess what? This was ours before it was ever yours. And he's absolutely right. And the ours is African. But that's the question. Which of these cultural trappings are essential? to the spread of the gospel. And this can work, this can infiltrate and work itself into congregations in dozens and dozens of ways. So for example, 10, 20 years ago, when many churches were wrestling with the contemporary or traditional worship music wars, you know, one of the main strategies to deal with that, one of the compromises, was, well, we'll just have two services. We'll have a contemporary service and a traditional service. So you pick, you make your choice, you take your pick, you choose which style you would prefer, and you go there. But what wasn't done very often is reflect on that reality through the lens of something like Galatians. Is it appropriate to say, it, does Paul say here in Galatians, it's okay, you can have your Judaizers, you have a church, you have your congregation, and then you Gentiles, you have your church and your congregation. One can meet at 9, the other one can meet at 10.30, and that's how you'll just get along. This is the real politic, practical, pragmatic way of dealing with this. If that's all he had to do, Galatians would not have that kind of energy. This is not just about how to deal with internal disputes in the church. It's about how do you express the gospel in a way that shows that Christians are completely different from the world. There's so much more than just the individualization of our taste and the individualization of the gospel. What Paul is doing is showing that our theology has to be at the service of creating communities, and in these communities you find out what grace actually means. And here in Galatians, the power of grace is declared so forcefully because what Paul is trying to do is force upon us the incongruity of grace. And by that, I mean that it comes to us without consideration of our status, our symbolic capital. It has the capacity to break with and challenge our human value systems. The reason why he has so much energy is because he felt that a cultural marker, circumcision, was being elevated to an essential facet of Christianity, and he's going to ruthlessly try and tear that down. Because what he wants them to see is that when we come together, we all come together before the throne, humble. We all come holy. We all come equals. And the ultimate expression of that is at the communion table. 
with all we come with all the people in this body and at the communion table the only thing that counts is Christ have you repented of your sins and are you trusting in Christ it's just about the only place in the world where that's the only thing that matters it doesn't matter who your parents were it doesn't matter your title in the company. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO or if you're at the bottom rung. It doesn't matter if you're one of the winners in the world or one of the losers. It doesn't matter if you're the doctor or the patient. It doesn't matter if you're the preacher or those who are preached to. It is utterly status blind. The only thing that counts is Christ, that he loved me and he gave himself up for me. It has this profound capacity to reassess all of the values that we inherit from our culture. Reassess, reevaluate, and then utterly renew them. We all stand before the throne of God above, all humble as sinners, but then made holy in our union with Christ. That was Paul's mission, and that's why he had such energy. And that is a beautiful picture of the transforming power of the gospel of grace. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. Above. 